As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games, as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Eric Jensen, current senior game designer at PlayStation's Bend Studio. So join us as we explore his journey. So I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Eric Jensen, welcome to DevDar. How are you? I'm I'm great. Thank you for having me. No, it's a it's a real pleasure. We've been we've been back and forth about this one for a little while, and it's it's great yeah. to have finally been able to pull it off. How are you? Yeah, uh, good. Yeah, it's definitely hard to coordinate schedules and stuff. We've been we've been busy. Oh, and you know, you add the international factor for the both of us in there, and it's all the right. same. Quite difficult. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, for sure. That. Yeah, definitely. Keeping very busy though. We are in a an interesting period um, with kind of days gone and the future without diving too deeply into that. Um, you're keeping fairly busy these days? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I think it was about a month ago we um, released our last, uh, you know, c- content patch for Days Gone. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we pushed out our last bit of uh, kind of little updates and, and we had a couple little surprises in there for people. Um, you know, but yeah, we've we've finally finished uh with with days gone and now we're you know just kind of looking to the future that's fantastic um and we're going to dive into days gone in a fair degree of detail a little bit later on um, of course. but for now uh we are this is dev diary a series where we talk to developers from all around the industry they share their stories and experiences and and everything that kind of led to this particular point so eric before we get to bend and days gone and the the a lot of the current day sort of stuff let's flash back yeah. to the very beginning what were your first gaming experiences like that you recall? Wow. Uh, if I think all the way back, I think the very first gaming experience that I had was the NES. Uh, oh, yeah. in my in my in my grandma's living room. Um, I didn't have a, a game console when I was super young, um, but I do remember like the first two games that I played were Mario Brothers and uh, Zelda on the NES. Yeah. And I mean, I think point. that was probably. That was probably when I was like four or five. Um, Mario was probably uh, on point for maybe a four or five year old. Zelda was probably a little advanced, um, but I, I remember playing those games vividly on the NES in my grandma's living room, and it was just that's that's the very first memory I have of, of playing video games. It does sound like you and I started at a very similarish point though, and with the same sorts of yeah. titles as well. So right. I, can't, I can't question your taste, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, the the first console that I owned was the Super Nintendo. Um, yep. And I I think that I got that probably a year after it came out. Um, it was the Super Mario World bundle. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I got was, the same one. That was that was the very first game that I that I played all the way through and and finished completely. Uh, and I I still remember the first time I beat that game and how excited I was. <laughs> And how did things kind of develop from there? Because, I mean, like, yeah, you, you dabbled in bits and pieces on the NES. You then finally complete your first game in Mario World. How did things yeah. start to kind of go from there? I mean, I was I was always kind of a Nintendo kid um, growing up. And and then I, I kind of dived into Sega a little bit over the years. I, I My very first console that I bought for myself with my own money was the Game Gear. Okay, um, right. 
and and I had a bunch of games for that. I loved playing uh, handheld. I had a Game Boy before that, um, and it wasn't until the PS2 that I actually got into PlayStation. Um, my my neighbor had a PS1, and this is back in the day when you could you know you took your whole console over to your your friend's yeah, house and next plug door. It in and, and you go. Yeah, yeah, and you just have it on the floor with the cables all over the place. Um, and so I had a Nintendo 64 at the time. He had a PlayStation. We would uh, trade over the weekend. He would send me all his games. I'd give him all mine. And uh, that was that was kind of my first taste of, of PlayStation with the with the PS1 was just over at my friend's house or borrowing it. Um, but it wasn't until the PS2 that I actually um, bought one myself. And that's I don't think I ever went back after that. It was just PlayStation from there on out. Fantastic. Now, just before we kind of yeah, continue with the PlayStation trend, um, you're one of the very few, maybe if I can recall off the top of my head, the only person so far that's really spoken about uh, anything Sega-related or Sega-related being uh, a factor during those early years. Oh, so do yeah. you want to expand a little? Yeah, I think a lot of people have kind of gone down. They've started with Nintendo like you did and then persisted yeah. down that train until they pivoted in whatever direction. Um, you're one of yeah, the few that's spoken about Sega. So what were some of the, the titles along the way that really clicked with you there? So, I, th- I think Sega Genesis was probably the first one that I had what, that I had played, and that was a, another neighbor situation. When I had my Super Nintendo, my neighbor had the Sega Genesis, um, and I, I, th- I want to say that the only games that he had were Sonic and possibly Street Fighter, um, yeah. and and so I didn't have a, a ton of uh, Sega Genesis experience. But when I got the um, Game Gear, I I you know I got the Sonic games and stuff. Yeah, it's. It's a really obscure game, and I don't know how many people know about it. But one of the games that I was obsessed with on the on the Dreamcast or on the Game Gear was uh, Cool Spot. It was a it was yeah, a it seven up. It was a, it was a seven up game. Oh right. Yes. So the little red dot in the seven up logo, they actually created a character, and it was a platformer with the dot from the seven up logo, and it was called Cool Spot. It was super obscure, and I probably put more hours into that than anything else on that on that console. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but then you, yeah, you obviously stuck with uh, some of the Sega consoles for a little while there. Yeah, and then I had the Dreamcast. I had the Dreamcast um, during those times, and I was I was a little late to the party on the Dreamcast, and so yeah. I I had it for maybe a year when they had announced that they weren't going to be supporting it anymore. Um, very, very short lifetime that one. Yes, yes, that was that was actually really sad. The Dreamcast, I think, is uh, probably one of my favorite past consoles. Yeah, it just uh, had a yeah, lot of really cool games. Certainly has some on great it, games. You know? Yeah, um, I I put countless hours into Crazy Taxi, um, another obscure title that I played on the on the Dreamcast uh, was Eighteen Wheeler Pro Trucker, where yep. you 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 are just a truck driver and you drive around and you have to make deliveries and stuff and. It was one of those just kind of, I, I didn't feel like playing anything serious. I just wanted to like sit back and play something dumb and it was so much fun and I loved it. So delivery, so you're just saying it was the prequel to Death Stranding, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably got there a little bit faster. <laughs> <laughs> and without the many bumps on the road. Yeah, um, no tripping or anything. So were there any particular franchises or genres that really clicked with you over that time? We've spoken about a few um, different sorts, uh, uh, you know, along the way here so far yeah i mean obviously the obscure games you know i, I remember those because of their obscurity um yeah. but games that have that have stuck with me over the years um i was a huge fan of the tony hawk series back in the day um i mean tony hawk 
is is kind of what me got 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 me into like punk rock music and stuff like that yeah. and like uh, like the soundtracks that they had for those games oh I the first couple still, games in particular yeah to this day anytime one of those songs comes up i think of tony hawk and i think of you know going through some of those levels and the the design in those games was just was just brilliant it was they they crafted something that was just so addictive and that people that weren't even into skateboarding or that culture or anything just got sucked into it and it was so much fun yeah it was a real masterclass back in the day there um it, it was big, big fan as well and i mean that wasn't really my genre of game and it wasn't my scene but similar to what you're talking about there i i really latched onto those games and um yeah. still look back very fondly on the first couple in particular and I, th- I think it's cool when when a, uh, a game series can do that. When, you know, when it's when it's either uh, sports or some you know racing genre or something like that. That you know, um, I may not be into skateboarding or racing cars, but I can kind of appreciate those games and get sucked into it despite yeah. not having any previous interest in it. Yeah, that's great. So, was there a game at all for you that was maybe this? key moment at all that kind of said i want to i want to pursue this i want to i want to get into this was there was there a game that informed that decision at all or was it maybe a culmination of lots of experiences over many years you know i i've i've been asked this question before and i i I really i wish that there was something that was like man if i could just if i could do that someday if i could make something like that and unfortunately there isn't because i never originally planned on getting into making games um, it was it was kind of a happy accident uh, scenario that that got me into this industry. Um, I think that there's a lot of games that have influenced me and that I've taken influence of you know from in the past, um, but but it wasn't until I actually got a job in QA that it actually clicked with me. Like oh, games are made by real people, by people. and and there's a, there's you know there's a lot of work that goes into it and. Uh, you know, there's there's artists and, and programmers that make these things, and and before that moment, it wasn't something that I had actually thought about. You know, you know, with with intent. You you just enjoyed them as as a consumer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're growing up, you you don't know how movies are made. You don't know how you know cartoons are drawn. You know, you don't you don't think about how the you know how all the stuff is put together. Um, yeah. And I entered the industry fairly young, and so I was still kind of naive to it all. Um, but but once I got a taste of it, I kind of just fell in love with it. Yeah, so you did obviously talk about how you didn't begin in games. I've, I've actually got listed there uh, Ace Hardware for a while, uh, for a couple of years. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's actually helped me over the years, I, like remodeling my house and doing all sorts of handiwork and stuff. Um, Transferable skills. That was, yeah, that was definitely not uh, a career path that I saw uh continuing okay so you didn't really enjoy it too much then it was it was fun but it was it was definitely not the kind of thing that you know i i got super excited about every morning coming into work yeah okay fair enough um (laughs) but it was but it was during that period towards the end of that time that you did then begin to transition into some qa with bend yeah so i actually I, i grew up in california um and circumstances led me up to oregon um and within the first month that i was in oregon I, it, I, it's kind of funny. I was just at the bank, um, changing my address because I had just moved into a new place, and the banker asked me if I had gotten a job yet. Just casual conversation. I'm like, yeah, okay. Small talk. No, not really. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of broke right now. I'm, you know, still trying to get my footing and, and stuff. And she's like, well, 
my my husband works over at a game studio here in town and they're and they're looking for for people to test their latest game and and i'm thinking okay well that you know i i didn't even know that was a thing uh that you can just play play games get money for it um but i was intrigued and so i (laughs) gave her my name and phone number and uh they called me the next day and I, i go down to this uh title company building and there's there's no signage on it for Sony. There's no signage for for Bend or anything like that, or anything that would lead me to believe that this is a video game studio. It's just a title company. And so I walk in the front door. I'm kind of <laughs> cautious about it. Um, Understandably so. I, and then I see this sign that says uh, SCEA. I'm like that. That sounds I know familiar. Those. I, I know feel like I've initials. seen. I've, I feel like I've seen that before. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I went up the stairs and, uh, they let me in and I see all these siphon filter posters. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> like I, I played siphon filter. Like this was a game that I played on my friend's PlayStation one back in the day. And I see all these posters and I start, uh, asking questions and I just set foot in the studio that made siphon filter and I'm, I'm kind of freaking out. And, uh, so I took that, you know, giddiness to my interview for the QA position and they hired me on the spot. And so I did well, yeah, QA I for no about one's a gonna, year. I suspect no one's <laughs> going to question your enthusiasm at that point. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I started the very next day. So which of those siphon filter games did you begin with? So I've like, I've listed down, um, the likes of dark mirror and Logan's shadow, over that time but where did you actually yeah. get, what was that first one that you were doing qa on so the first one that i started on was siphon filter dark mirror yeah. um and and i think that um i think that uh john and chris the the studio heads had talked about this in the past um but that that game went through some back and forth where initially it was going to be like a ps2 game and then um when they f- first started talking about getting into handheld um they were thinking, well, this might be a good opportunity for one of our studios to kind of lead the charge and, and have a big, you know, console quality title on a handheld. Yeah. Um, and that was, and they chose to put Siphon Filter on the PSP. Um, and so for you, as someone who was such a big fan, you've obviously, you've brought that, as I've mentioned, the, the excitement and enthusiasm to the interview, but then actually beginning to do some work around the game um, at that point in that QA form, how, how was that for you then? It was really cool. Um, I mean, just being able to play a game that you know wasn't finished, that hadn't been released, that they were still making tons of changes on, and uh, you know was was somewhat familiar. You know, I had played the the PS One siphon filters, yeah. Um, but the what they were trying to do on the PSP was very different. Um, obviously, the the system only had one analog stick the the button um sizes and everything were different than on the on the ps2 and the ps1 so there's some adjustment there yeah definitely um you know with with changing the control scheme um from a game you you know you really have to think about how you want to play that game uh and every button press really matters and so there was a lot of iteration through the control schemes on those um siphon and psp games um including you know alternate control schemes to to appease everybody yeah of course uh yeah especially with yeah the changes to that platform and the the controls yeah there'd need to be some um 
what am I look, look what am I looking for? Probably you know, manipulation of those controls to suit yeah, the various yeah. needs of the different players. Yeah. Uh, so then you spend a bit of time with Logan Shadow as well. Yeah. So so with Dark Mirror, I was QA, um, and by the end of that project, um, I I actually wrote a letter to the studio director. Uh, saying how much I had kind of fallen in love with everything and basically begging him to to keep me around because I was just on contract. Um, and they they created a position for me um, as production a production assistant. assistant. Yep. yep. Yeah, so uh, on Logan Shadow, um, I took over uh, from one of the designers uh, the localization management. Yep. Um, and so I'd gone through the whole process of, you know, uh, putting all the text in the game and getting all the audio files and everything. Um, I, I did all the subtitles for all the cinematics in Logan Shadow by hand. I just typed them out after watching the videos over and over again, put all the timestamps in by hand because we didn't have anything else for it at the time. It was just a text editor. So yeah. yeah okay. Um, the, the but being able to see, you know, being able to see, like I worked with some of the producers um, to get all the localized text in the game. And at the time I think we'd maybe only did like six languages um, but that was a really cool process seeing how, you know, you, you take a game designed for, you know, just English and have to translate it to all these different languages and make sure that everything works across all the different regions and there's back and forth and everything because things get mistranslated sometimes and it was, yeah, it was I'd a imagine really cool process. A, I'd imagine there would be a lot of challenge to that because, yeah, there's so much nuance to to the English language but then so many other languages as well and yeah, getting them yeah. to all talk to one another would be fairly challenging especially given right. that I assume you don't have the deepest knowledge of every single language out there no no <laughs> no <laughs> I started to recognize stuff uh, after a while but yeah it was definitely difficult um, I had to I had to take their word that everything was being translated correctly because I had no idea what they were saying fair enough um, <laughs> so from there where you where you kind of first began and cut your teeth on an ip that you you had a great love for already yeah. to then kind of another period there where you were working on other people's established ip in the form of resistance right. retribution and then um uncharted golden abyss and fight for fortune um yeah what is that like for you and i guess by extension the studio going from working on your own ip to working on other people's ip because with other people's IP, I'd imagine there are certain constraints and those sort of things that were part of their initial de- design right. and intent that it would be uh, expected or hoped that you would then also work within those same constraints. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was definitely kind of a change in, in our production flow and everything because, you know, where previous titles, you know, we just we wrote the story and came up with the ideas for what we wanted to do. Um, this, you know... With, with Uncharted specifically, you know, they, at the time, I think uh, Uncharted 2 uh, was in process while we were doing uh, Golden Abyss. Yeah. And, um, you know, they were still working through some of their story stuff. We were trying to do some of our story stuff. So there was a lot of back and forth um, between John Garvin and uh, Amy Hennig working on the story. And it was cool having them as a, a resource for that. You know, they helped us um, with a lot of art assets. We got a lot of their animations and stuff. Um, we actually created, so we built our engine from scratch for that game, um, recreating basically everything that they had in their engine, um, because yeah, their okay. engine, their engine just wasn't compatible with, you know, portability, uh, yeah. going down to the, to the Vita. Um, but you know, with, with an, with your own IP or a new IP, you know, kind of the sky is the limit until you start establishing that. Um, with an IP that already exists, there's there's an outline for it. There's a blueprint already there, yeah. um, and you have to adhere to 
the world that they've already built while trying to to make it your own and potentially introduce new elements or new characters um, while still you know maintaining the fiction that they've created and so you've obviously just spoken about the uncharted side of things but there was also resistance retribution that's in an insomniac um yeah the title at the time um so what was what was that experience like because that being, I guess, was, the first of those external, yeah. or those other IPs that you've worked on. Yeah, and that was that was still on the PSP um, too, which you know s- still had you know like you know the hardware limitations, the buttons and, and the specs and stuff. Um, but that was that was actually a really cool opportunity. A- aliens and crazy weapons are always fun because the sky is kind of the limit. You know, they've yeah, they've got their established stuff, but like Insomniac is just known for their their crazy design choices with weapons and stuff in all of their games. And it's yep. it was so much fun to come up with our own. We obviously embraced some of the weapons that they had already created, but we were able to have kind of that same freedom with creating new weapons and creating new aliens and stuff. And those guys were super cool working with us. Um, and they were developing Resistance 2 at the time when we were making Retribution, and we actually had um, a feature in both of those games where if you plugged in your PSP into the PS3, yes, those two games I do would, remember that. They would, they would talk to each other, and you could infect the game. So if you had Resistance 2, it could infect your Resistance Retribution game, uh, which was a cool little feature. And I think we were the only ones to ever do anything like that, uh, communication between the, the PlayStation 3 and the PSP between games. Was was the development on that a little bit easier given your already fairly deep knowledge of the PSP at that point? Yeah, it was it was a, a more natural transition. Yeah. Um, you know, we we were using our established engine that we had on the PSP um, from Dark Mirror and Logan Shadow, and then onto Retribution. Um, and so it was a little bit of a smoother transition. Um, it was definitely a bigger transition, jumping to another new engine uh, and then a new piece of hardware uh, for the Vita. And how does, and in, in this applies to both Resistance and Uncharted, how does that kind of conversation, I guess, begin in the first place that you're going to work on someone else's IP as opposed to hypothetically spitballing, you know, continuing um, with Siphon Filter or developing a new IP or whatever the case might be? How, how, right. does, how do you and the team kind of land on that decision that, okay, let's, and potentially in conjunction with, those other studios and playstation right. etc um how do you ultimately land on that decision that you know working on someone else's established ip is the the right call for us right now or for this franchise yeah. or whatever sony's sony's always been really great about um that whole process and and letting each studio kind of determine their own path and and what ip they want to work on and and what projects they find uh passion in um coming off of Logan Shadow, we, we kind of left that game uh, on like a kind of a cliffhanger, but kind of a, you know, he's gone, it's over. Um, yep. And we we're kind of ready to retire that. Um, but I don't think any of us were quite ready to start something new. Um, and yeah, okay. we, were presented, we were presented with opportunities to, you know, since we were familiar with the portable um, space at that point, to try to make portable versions of a couple of the other... Um, up and coming at the time, uh, Sony IPs, and and it was a cool opportunity. It was it was cool to be able to take something that was, you know, starting to become established and you know kind of put our little spin on it. Yeah, no, that's 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 fantastic to hear because yeah, it, it is an interesting one. And I think a lot of people have kind of over the journey wondered, you know, how do these pieces come together, and then eventually pivoting from Uncharted 
back to your own IP again in the form of Days Gone. Like, how does that actually happen? Yeah. So that was, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. When it comes to the end of Siphon Filter and um, as, you, as you spoke about the end, uh, you know, how things have kind of come to a close at this at this particular point, was right. there was there ever at any point through that period there a desire to maybe keep going or was everyone fairly unanimous that okay this is it this we're done we need to we need to do something different no going back that sort of thing. <laughs> I, I i think i think the time was and sorry right. i'm not trying i'm not trying to get you to show your hand or anything like that no 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 you're go. fine i think that i think the time was right for siphon filter to end you know um i think we had we had told all the stories that we wanted to yeah um it you know it definitely has a, a soft spot in a lot of our hearts. Um, there's probably maybe fifteen to twenty people at the studio right now that that still worked on a good chunk of the the siphon filter yeah, games. Okay. Um, and it you know it's it's one of the things that we're known for, so it, it definitely holds a special place in our heart. But it was it was time for Gabe Logan to retire. Has there ever been that itch amongst? Any of those 15, oh, maybe, and again, not, not trying to get you to show your hand at all, because uh, we obviously know that you went down the days gone path, but was there ever that itch, you know, or maybe that consideration even to potentially returning some way? Because we know that with video games like other um, other mediums, dead or like, you know, definitive endings like that doesn't, it doesn't, you can work around them in different ways. So yeah. was, was there ever the consideration I, at least? You know, I don't, I don't know if, if when we were, when we were starting to, um, talk about doing a new IP for Days Gone. Um, I don't know if that ever really came up. Um, I know that we always joke about it whenever we're talking about designs. We're like, oh, if, if, if this was Siphon Filter, we could do that. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's. I think it's always like at the back of our mind, but uh, it's not something that, that we ever really wanted to pursue too much more. So then from that point, obviously with, with Uncharted, uh, Golden Abyss and Fight for Fortune done, actually I, I feel like I probably need to ask about Fight for Fortune a little bit. That's, <laughs> that's obviously very different to what we come to expect from an Uncharted game. What, what was that experience yeah. like? We just wanted to do something fun. It was just kind of like a, an extra little uh, bonus to what we had done with Golden Abyss. And we actually got the games tied together. So Fight for Fortune and Golden Abyss um, play into each other. So like when you... Yeah. When you unlock collectibles in Golden Abyss, they'll they'll unlock different Unlocking. cards and stuff and fight for fortune. Um, no, we just wanted to try something fun, and we thought that you know utilizing the touchscreen on the Vita, uh, it would be kind of fun to to be able to play a card game on there. And we were still kind of deep in the Uncharted universe when we were thinking about it, um, and it was just kind of a fun little little side project. the The whole game was developed by I think maybe six of us at the studio. Um, while the rest of the team was was starting work on figuring out the the next big thing, so which ultimately ended up becoming Days Gone. But uh, yeah. I assume at that point there were probably lots of different ideas that weren't Days Gone. Or I guess as I, I heard about the title, I think well before it was finally revealed, I was hearing different names. Like, and you can probably confirm whether this was an actual <laughs> name or not. Um, I was hearing the name like Dead Don't Ride and other other sorts of things over the journey. I've, yeah, I've, I've heard that name before. Um, I don't know whether that was actually <laughs> something that was referred to it, like as it was referred to internally or not, but uh, I, I'd heard that name. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a bike skin in Days Gone that yep. uh, may or may not be called Dead Don't Ride. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did appreciate that little, that little yeah. Easter egg in there. Yeah. Um, but I assume there are, there are a host of other ideas that were kind of bubbling around that weren't what Days Gone became, or was, was it very yeah. obvious early on that Days Gone was... No, I mean, we... 
we played with a bunch of different ideas. Um, you know, I, th- I think the, I think it's a once in a lifetime opportunity to, to be able to take a step aside from, from what you've been doing for a long time and try to come up with something new. Um, and so we, you know, we did take our time with it and we tried a bunch of different ideas. Um, in fact, some of the ideas that we were looking at at the time ended up being announced by other companies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and so, you know, but, but that's, you know, we're, we're watching the same movies that they are. We're watching, you know, reading the same books and, and watching the same TV shows. And so you're inspired in the same sort of ways. Yeah. People often, you know, take inspiration from things and, and can often land on similar ideas. Uh, at the same time, you've seen that with movies and games where they've come out within six months of each other and they feel like they're very much the same idea. Um, so you definitely have to be careful of that. But, you know, we went through a lot of process and, um, you know, even even the first, uh, you know, shred of uh, Days Gone that we had started working on is, you know, very different than what we ended up shipping with because it's it's very much an iterative process. And, and when you start going down certain paths, you realize quickly, okay, this one's not going to work. This one is working, but maybe we need to double down on it. Um, and so, you know, it's a lot of uh, kind of shifting things around until you find that, that moment where you're like, oh, this is, this is the sweet spot. I think we've finally found the magic. And what was that moment for you? What was Because, as you said, there would have been various different iterations of the game over the journey, and I'm certainly interested in kind of picking through that with you as well but what was yeah. what was that moment like for you what was what was that trigger moment or that light bulb moment like for you when you realized that you'd hit the hit the nail on the head i guess i i think the first time that i was able to ride the motorcycle out in the open world and get chased by a horde like, yeah, okay. this is this is something i've not experienced before this and is terrifying. special As a it player. is abso- it's absolutely terrifying and you know i've i've watched tons of videos uh from from people you know running away from the horde either on foot or on the bike and they they freak out and i'm like man that's that's the excitement and the fear and and all of those feelings that i felt the first time when i played that uh when you know none of it looked good uh yeah. it didn't all play perfectly um but that's that's the magic is if if it if it's not playing right, doesn't look right, and you're still having fun, then you know that you've landed on something something really cool, and then it only just gets better and better uh, as you continue working on it. So, was the horde idea? If we focus in on that one for a moment, um, was the horde idea something that, and, and the motorbike, I guess as well, were they some of the really early core ideas, or or did they yeah. kind of develop later on? The the horde was probably one of the earliest prototypes that we had. Um, I actually think we had prototype of the horde on the vita okay right. um when, when we were still kind of transitioning between the vita and the and the ps4 um and i, I want to say we had maybe 200 uh gabe logan models chasing after <laughs> chasing after the character so there's that love of and, uh and, it, build coming and back at, at the time that was that was probably still our our uncharted engine that we were working in just to to yep. prototype stuff and, I'm suddenly uh, not sure so we, actually what's more terrifying the the, the fr- <laughs> hundreds thousands of freakers or or get, uh, hundreds and thousands uh, of Gabe Logans coming after a hundred Gabe Logans yeah yeah um, so that was I mean and the, and the first time that we saw that we we're like man this is this is crazy I've never seen anything like this where there's just this fluidity to this group of uh, you know creatures or people or whatever it was um, but at the same time you know different from just how fluid works 
each one was kind of thinking independently for itself to a degree. And yes. and that was it was just it was incredible. Was there a point and obviously you spoke about how um, you were testing this out initially on the Vita with some of your work, uh, some of the technology you'd used for Uncharted was there a thought at the time that this was going to be a Vita game or was the intent always to to transition back to the consoles the home consoles I, I think with the with the success that we had with Golden Abyss um, it was it was time um, we thought it was time and Sony also thought it was time um, that we that we try something new and that we try something bigger um and so you know we we wanted we had been wanting to do it um and the opportunity just presented itself that it's like hey why don't you guys start something new and ps4 is coming out let's let's aim for that uh and so that's that's where we had set our sights that's that's fantastic when when all parties are on the same page like that it, it makes some of that decision making a little bit easier and it does yeah um i guess there's that freedom in some extents that comes with it as well um right. so how was that time for you as you uh, you've you've worked on an established ip in the form of uh siphon filter and then you've gone to work on with other people's ip and now finally kind of getting your chance to to cut your teeth and dive into your own brand new IP you're there from day one essentially what was that like for you it was really cool because you know as you're as you're establishing something new like that you get to try whatever you want because you haven't shipped it yet you haven't you know said to the world this is what days gone is or whatever your new IP is Um, so pretty much nothing is on off the table you know you get to try lots and lots of different stuff and that's that's when you get to have the most fun with things uh, because, you know, the sky is the limit. Your your imagination, uh, you know, takes over and you just you get to do whatever you want. And that's when you find out, you know, OK, this is a bad idea. Uh, this was good on paper, but it's not actually fun when I play it. Or this is a terrible idea on paper, but we need to try it to actually see if it is fun or not. Um, and that happens a lot. Um, but Any it, it's particular just, it's examples process. that you wouldn't mind talking about? Either things uh, that uh, yeah didn't look good on paper that actually worked quite well, or the opposite. Uh, fuel management on the motorcycle. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> on on paper, uh, it it didn't seem like a good idea. Um, so, but we knew that you know there was going to have to be something for the motorcycle that we were going to have to you know you know maintain. Um, and and we didn't think that players would actually have fun going and searching for gas or finding a gas station and filling up their bike or running out of gas. But it created so many of these just natural moments where the the player would just run out of gas at the most inopportune time and have to go out on foot. I had a few of those. And, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and when you get off the bike, it's a completely different game. You don't have that security of being able to take off fast away from something. Um, and you never know what's coming up behind you. You can only run so fast. Um, and it just, it created all of these happy accident moments, uh, for the player. And, and it was just, it was super exciting. And on the flip side, what about some of those things that I think everyone maybe thought were going to be really great, but then didn't really work out at all. (laughs) Um, there was, there was some, uh, Nero stuff that we wanted to do that, that we thought would be really cool. Um, I, I probably won't dive too much into it, but um, That's some of the stuff, some of the stuff with the narrow choppers, um, 
that we we thought was a really good idea and then when we started messing around with it in the game it just felt like a chore it felt like um you know the the players weren't going to engage with it we didn't feel engaged with it and so we backed off um and sometimes you just have to do that you have to back off of of certain ideas because they're just not working right or you need to wait and and let them marinate for a little bit longer and then maybe some other feature comes online that is the perfect complement to that original idea that just wasn't working so that's fair enough um so then specifically some of the ideas that i guess you would have brought to the table there any particular things that there's one that uh, does bring to mind regards to how you implemented trophies, but we'll we'll, yeah. we'll get to that at some point. <laughs> that, that really kind of sticks out at me is something I thought yeah. was fantastic. But are there there are any other things that you feel like kind of they have your DNA on it in the game there, and that that really stick out at you when you when you play the game and you know you think you know that was a that was a good idea like that worked. I'm, I'm yeah that we went we went down that path. I I won't I won't totally claim this is just my own idea um, at all. Yeah. Um, but I, I I coined the term the Frico system, uh, which which is kind of our it's it's our living world with the animals and the humans and the freakers and and how they all interact with each other. Yeah. Um, and that was a big part of uh, the open world team's job is to make sure that uh, you know all of the stuff that is out in the world is interacting appropriately, uh, is showing up in the places that make the most sense. Uh, and then just kind of creating these scenarios that draw the player's attention. And under normal circumstances, you see danger, you don't want to go to it, but we would create these scenarios that would just kind of suck you in. And you're like, yeah, I want to see what's going in. on over there, you know? And so that was, that was kind of the thing that I'm, I'm I think I'm the most proud of that, uh, the, the world that we created was incredibly dangerous and, and no matter where you went, there was something trying to kill something and, sometimes you got in the way and i mean to that particular point some of the videos of the game that i've enjoyed the most i didn't quite experience this myself but some of the video or to this level anyway but uh some of the videos that i've seen pop up on twitter or or youtube or whatever in the the weeks and months since release of yeah all these things just happening to coalesce at the same time (laughs) and come crashing together all from that uh freco system as you're referring to it yeah um geez they were entertaining to watch it no it, it makes me incredibly happy seeing that kind of stuff because you know half the videos that i've seen i've never seen anything like that in the game and i've played yeah. the game for probably thousands of hours at this point um and i'm still seeing new stuff i'm still seeing people experience things that i know that it existed but i haven't seen a single person talk about it until this one video that i saw and and it makes me so happy to see you know like something that we thought of in an afternoon and put together real quick and put one of in the entire game, uh, just just as a you know kind of little surprise happened to somebody. Somebody saw it and they were excited by it and recorded it and posted it online. That's really yeah. Cool. I'd, I'd imagine some of those reactions would have been um, priceless. I guess for you and the team to be able to sit back and and watch. Oh, and definitely. And, yeah. Um, when all these things just kind of work, I suppose. Yeah, it's always nice when that happens. <laughs> now, when it comes to the game, uh, and we've we've obviously spoken about uh, some of the really positive fan reception there, and and some of the great videos and all those sorts of things. But when the game first launched, um, uh, it was I guess the reception. If you wanted to focus on the the critical side, I think uh, I think it was a little bit mixed, um, mixed to positive. Yeah. But uh, 
I mean, personally, and I, I, feel free to fact check me if you want my reviews <laughs> up on the Play Two website, and I was actually quite positive about the whole thing. Um, but there were pockets, anyway, that weren't as as positive. There, what what do you think? What what was that like? I guess when some of the reviews are, are pouring in because it is your your f- kind of first new IP in a long time. Uh, it had been a long time in gestation. How does yeah. that kind of hit you at first? And when when you see some of the comments that are coming in, and presumably some of those you might agree with, but others you don't. Like how do, right. how do you kind of dissect all that um, in your I mind? Mean, any any time you create something, um, you know, beauty is always in the eye of the beholder, and you know, there's there's always going to be critics, and there's always going to be people that you know things don't resonate with uh, yep. entirely, you know, and it seems like that happened to a degree, uh, and it was definitely a little bit of a, a gut punch uh, <laughs> when I woke up the, that morning when the reviews were coming out, but you know, then I started reading some of the positive ones and and you know, people latching onto the stuff that you know we were super excited about and proud about, and then. You know, in the following days when the fans started jumping into it and we started seeing all these positive things from the community, um, that's, I think, at the end of the day, what really matters is, is the players. And they're the ones, you know, that are, are buying all these copies of the game and spending, you know, their hard-earned money and, yeah. and time and effort and energy into these things and, and them enjoying it and posting screenshots from photo mode and posting all these videos of crazy interactions in the open world and that that made it all worth it because people were having fun playing the game yeah and i mean we obviously just referenced it then and we've been referencing it on and off throughout this entire conversation so far about about that response from from the fans and how how positive it was and uh one thing it was only my little pocket of the internet as i was kind of you know consuming things on twitter but uh as you would know recently playstation was putting out the 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 data like individual player data um, over the course of last year, and I was seeing Days Gone at the top of a lot of lists, including my own in the end. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, really I, cool I received a, a review copy in that particular case, um, and I, I did all all the work I kind of needed to do, quote unquote, with it. And yet, right. for I mean, there, when I looked at the data, there's a lot of hours I put in, well and truly after <laughs> after I finished. Yeah, it. It was, yeah. It's a lot I was of I was surprised how many hours I had put into it after having worked on it for for five years. Uh, once it actually came out, I had, I still put 200 hours into it last year. It was <laughs> my it was my most played game of the year. Um, and I mean that you know in that respect that doesn't it still doesn't surprise me in some ways, but uh, right. Yeah, I, like I think the the proof is in the pudding there with some of that data that those that really latched onto it really really latched onto it and um yeah which is always great to see enough. you know because and you, i think also you, the critical response has kind of turned a little bit over uh, to, towards the pot more positive slant as the year and now into early 2020 has kind of passed yeah definitely i mean we've seen a lot of like year-end reviews and, and videos and stuff where um you know people have come back around and and, and put it in their top 10 um which is which is exciting you know and and seeing the 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 fan reaction to everything was was awesome and just the continued response like you know even now nine ten months later uh i i still get people tweeting at me every single day posting screenshots and showing me that they just rolled credits on the game or you know that they've they pointed out my name in the credits or something (laughs) it's, it's just i don't know it's just really cool well, yeah, I do see a lot of that from you and John and several others from the team that are kind of popping up in my feed there because they've re- you've retweeted 
some of the things you were talking about there, for right. example, and it's it is it is great to see. And I'd imagine it would be a really great feeling that this this love of the game is just continuing to persist in the months. Well, I suppose we're not quite a year post release yet, but in the months uh, post release, I th- I feel like that'd be fantastic for all of you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we we're referencing some of the the post launch support before. Um, what's that been like working on the game? Um, and kind of tweaking and updating and all those sort of things since. Oh, uh, it was it was awesome. Um, we added the the challenge mode, which I think was a lot of fun. Uh, the community yep. really reacted well to that. Um, that was a lot of fun to put together. We had the uh, crazy taxi like uh, mode, which was a lot of fun to work on. Um, we just we got to we got to break some of the rules of the Days Gone uh, universe and and have have some fun with it and give something back to the players uh, for. You know, for all the support that they'd given us, we wanted to be able to put something out there for free to, for people to enjoy. Fantastic! Yeah, it's been going really well, and I've I've jumped in once or twice uh, in the months since, and yeah, to see these little tweaks and updates and changes and improvements, it's been awesome as a consumer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if we we hone back in on you a little bit and we begin to wind, uh, wind oh, actually no, sorry, we've got to visit this trophy this trophy thing before oh, yeah. we start to wind yeah. things up. Uh, talk to me a little <laughs> bit about that uh, that I guess the timing of the trophies and all that because I I think that was a really fantastic little initiative. Like it's only a very small yeah. thing, and we know that trophies aren't the be all and end all to a lot of people, but they right. are to a certain pocket of the community, including myself. And I thought what you uh, what you orchestrated with that was fantastic. So talk to me a little bit, especially for those who don't know what I'm referring to here, what you kind of did right. with the trophies there. So so myself and uh, David Lee, who's uh, Ben Studios community manager, were both huge, huge trophy hunters. Um, and, and we appreciate a, a well-crafted trophy list. And so uh, we were both tasked with putting together the trophies for Days Gone. And, and coming up with all the names and, and all the challenges that we wanted people to take on to earn those trophies, um, which we had a lot of fun with. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do and to put a little extra effort into was the trophies associated with the story, um, because that's that's what you're going to look back and remember, you know, your, your progress and your journey through the story. Yeah. Um, and so something that I knew was possible but hadn't really seen done a whole lot was that you can curate when you want the screenshots to pop for trophies. So every time that a trophy pops up on the PS4, it takes a screenshot. And 99% of the time in most games, it's a black screen, it's a loading screen, it's yeah. a, a menu or something. Um, and I didn't want that. I wanted I wanted people to remember the journey that they, they went on with Deacon. Um, and so I made it so that during the cinematics that either took place um, in the mission that you had just played before the trophy would pop up, or the cinematic right before the trophy, I would I went through and picked the exact frame that I wanted captured to to perfectly represent what that trophy was for that point in the story. That's awesome. And and when the trophy popped up and people went to their their screenshots, um, they were surprised that it wasn't a black screen. It was a moment from the cinematic before the trophy popped up um, that that was crafted you know and and i hadn't seen anything really done like that before yeah i I think it was i think it was really great i was a little actually disappointed in the end because as you were talking about there's been so many games where you do you get the loading screen or or what you know something kind of irrelevant i suppose right um so i'd actually disabled but well 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 before days (laughs) gone i disabled that that feature because it was just clogging my thing with screenshots that were kind of useless um now the relief is that because you cherry picked the exact moment i was able to 
experience that via the tweets and all those sorts of things right, that people would put right. up. But I was a little bit disappointed in the end that I didn't get to experience that you myself didn't have them for because I've been yeah. so burnt by other people. I turn it on as soon as I finished. <laughs> as soon as I finished, awesome. Days Gone, I, I discovered that I, I turn them on. So going yeah. forward, um, if a few more people can follow your lead, I'd be really appreciative of that. <laughs> I think it's just a it's a nice little touch, you know. I, I you know not everybody's into trophies, but for those who are, um, being able to to put something together that's a little bit more special uh, f- for them and, and excites them about trying to track down the trophies. Yeah. So as we begin to wind things down and we kind of cycle things back into you and your career and your time in the industry so far, um, uh-huh. I just want to explore a few little things with you. So like, who who in this business inspires you? Is there, is there any is there anyone out there that you've really tried to model yourself on over the over your journey, or is it? more the the people that you're surrounded by in the studio that you you know you like to bounce off what is it for you Uh, if anyone if anyone this is (laughs) no this is uh this is the only studio that i've ever been at you know so you know obviously there's people out in the industry that i look up to um but uh both ron allen and jeff ross who's now um game director at the studio um those they were both you know designers as i was kind of working through the ranks at the studio um and on Days Gone, uh, Jeff was the game director and Ron was the lead designer. And both of those guys have helped kind of nurture me and mold me yeah. into uh, the designer that I am right now. And I, I owe a lot to those guys and I look up to them and, and always take inspiration and feedback and, and brainstorm with those guys. And, and it, it's always it's always a great process with them. Um, you know, out, outside of Ben Studio, um, I'll probably keep it within the PlayStation family, but uh, uh, Shuhei Yoshida has has always been kind of uh, a role model of yep. uh, representing the brand. You know, like I I love PlayStation. I loved PlayStation before I started here. Um, that guy lives and breathes PlayStation, and he loves it. And you can see it in his face. You can see it anytime that he's talking about it. Uh, and I think that's just a great attitude to have towards things. You know, if you don't if you don't enjoy and love every minute of it, you're probably doing the wrong thing. You know, there's always going to be ups and downs. Um, but I mean, it, we get to make games and and it's, it's a blast. And, and seeing that passion that he has is really cool. No, I mean, and I only see it on a consumer, you know, side of things, but you can see that with every time shoe gets up and presents or, or he tweets something out or whatever you can you can sense and feel that excitement. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I think a very very good choice, and I don't even have the <laughs> the extent of the knowledge of of shoe that you do, but um, right. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Uh, any particularly valuable lessons you've kind of learned and picked up over the journey? Anything that you really consider valuable? Skills, yeah. Um, don't don't get too attached to your ideas. You know, what, what you might think is a good idea one day might be a bad idea the next day. Um, yep. or somebody you might talk to, might come at it from a different perspective or a different team might offer some, you know, advice that causes you to have to change your, your plan or change your mind on, on something that you might've felt strongly about. Um, you know, the, the team is making this game. It's not any one person and, uh, we're always in it together. And so it's all attitude. You know, it, yeah, and it's and it is difficult, you know, when you have a good idea to to sometimes have to let go of it. Um, yeah. But but it's it's a collaborative process, and um, sometimes the best ideas are the ones that are landed on by groups of people, uh, and then you know, especially when you can get that you know 
consensus of the whole team that like this is a really good idea then you know that's definitely a cool moment that's awesome um any particularly uh treasure memories or highlights that you've that you've got from over the journey something uh you know that that perfect screenshot moment with the, with, with the trophy <laughs> alongside it for you i mean definitely getting to work on an uncharted game having you know when when people list out their uncharted games having ours even be considered among the list uh is really really cool it's it's one yeah. of my favorite franchises and to say that i worked on an uncharted game not too many people get to say that uh, oh, for that's, sure. that's definitely a big one um finally announcing days gone uh back in 2016 e3 uh i think half the studio went down to e3 for that and we were up, oh, in great. The, up in the balcony and and super excited about that uh i got i got chills when when our logo was up there on the big screen um that was that was definitely really cool um and then i think probably the biggest thing was just finally becoming a designer finally figuring out what path i wanted to head down um and and you know finding that passion i was passionate about a lot of different things coming up through everything but um finally focusing and deciding on you know what i what i thought i was capable of what other people thought i was capable of and uh and and really just latching onto something that you know brought me brought me joy every day when i come into the studio fantastic uh last last question Uh, i mean i think i think you probably know what this last one is um if there's any game in the, the existence of this industry and in the entire duration of this industry that you could retroactively add your name into the credits for as being in some uh, some oh, small wow. or large way responsible for, what would it be? That's that's a that's a good one. Um, Hell, it can be special thanks if that's all if that's all, yeah. if that's all you want. It doesn't it doesn't matter what uh, capacity. But honestly, okay, so one of the one of the games that I think has been uh, always on my mind is something that was like. A very unique experience that that I would have loved to have been a part of um, is Bioshock. Oh yeah, okay, really solid I, choice. I think that that game kind of came out of nowhere and and was just so different in in how it looked, how it felt, how it played. Um, it was it was one of those moments where, you know, when Bioshock was first announced, uh, it I think it caught everybody off guard, and and now. It's it's referenced all the time. It's one of those things that is just like now Incredibly ingrained influential. In, in in video game history, uh, and and yeah, even to be a footnote in that would have been really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can really appreciate that one. Uh, and you're the first person to have mentioned Bioshock in this for that particular question so far. Um, awesome. So <laughs> I'm sure Ken Levine, uh, yeah, Ken Levine is very happy somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure he's listening. Um, right. <laughs> so. If anyone is looking to get in touch with you, Eric, or or track what you're up to, or track what the studio is up to, where would they be best to go? Uh, definitely check out uh, at Ben Studio on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Lord Irk on Twitter. Um, I'm I'm pretty active. Uh, I, I try to I try to comment on on things from people and engage with the community, and and I have a, a blast doing it. I'm sure other people enjoy it, but I I think I. I get a kick out of just talking to people uh, online that are that are fans of what we're doing. It it still gets me excited. <laughs> and if you've got any great uh, Days Gone screenshots or videos, be sure to send them his way as well as the rest Definitely. of the team. Because I'm sure they'll Ab- love to absolutely. see. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very Likewise. much for giving me your time. 
um, sharing your experiences so far. And we know that it is a very exciting period for Bend and PlayStation and everything over the course of the next 12 months and beyond. So I'm wishing you all very, the very, very best in that period. I can't wait to see what comes next. Thank you for coming aboard. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're definitely excited for the future. And uh, listeners, thank you very much for listening. As always, I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you would like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Eric's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.